describes acts of extreme violence in graphic detail and may include discussions about demonology and the occult, topics that caused widespread panic during the 1980s. This content may not be suitable for children under the age of 50. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Grog Talk. I'm James. And I'm Dan. Where are we from today, Dan? We are from the University of Wisconsin, Parkside. Parkside. It is located between Racine and Kenosha, but everyone knows that. We are at Gen Con, live from Gen Con. That's right. Congratulations to us. We made it. Gen Con. Which Gen Con is? Gen Con 15. 15. So I look up on Wikipedia and ask you trivia questions about G- Gen Con 15. Sure. Okay. Of course. All right. Which means that you're going to have to uh, n- look at no data connection. What's wrong with you? You have a crappy phone. This is your house. I'll do it one more time and then we're moving on. Did I show my, well, while you do that, I'm going to show my official swag cup now. I've changed Starbucks. You're not getting free advertising anymore because I have a grog talk. Official cup now. Who needs you guys? We're on our own. We're breaking out. Right. No right. more Ralph Lauren, nothing else. So, I mean, I could look it up and see what the uh, stats are, but that kind of defeats purpose. You could ask me the question. Okay. <laughs> I could. Okay. You want to do that? Which see one? how quickly I, this is called adjusting. Yeah. This is how you, how DN, uh, same thing you would do in a DM thing. You have your plans and so this is Gen Con trivia. So people on the chat can play. All right. So we already know where it's at. I think you basically exhausted the questions. You could do special guests. I believe they sometimes have. Gen Con 15. I'm ready. It's sir. August 19th through the 22nd, uh, 1982. Um, how many people were approximately in attendance? I'm going to say... I'm going to say... T- Ooh, we're getting, we're clearing the thousands by this point. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 2,700. That's a very specific number. (laughs) 27. Does anyone else have a... That's the over-under. A better guess than 2,700. Going once. Jack, do you have a guess? By the way, if you hear random squeaking, this is why you hear random squeaking. James decided the show needed something extra. That's right. Uh, small, small pets. My future replacement. Uh, well, that's right. He's, he almost uh, pays more attention than, um, than Dan. This is Jack. How are you, Jack? So if you hear barking and whispering, that's him. So here you go. Most of the time. Most of the time. That's right. It could, it could be Dan as well. <laughs> okay. Right. So we got 4K easy. Easy on the 4K. 
Oh, they may be right. Easy Life 4K. Easy Life 4K. They may be right. It's getting big. It's 1982. Gen Cons. So we're getting to the point now where we're seeing it in Dragon Magazine. We're sad we can't go because we're not old enough. Right. And our parents is not going to go to Wisconsin. For for what? Yeah, they're they're pissed off to drive to the library for the game. Right. Okay, how many? Uh, Over 3,000. That's all it said. That's all it says. Over 3,000. Those two years, they did not have exact numbers for whatever reason because it was sourced by uh, item 66. What's what's happening to my leg here, James? What is this? Oh! (laughs) He hasn't done that in a long time. That's he's being friendly to you. (laughs) That's him saying, I want to play, and if you don't play, I'm going to hump you. Well, that's okay. I like to feel attractive. (laughs) Who doesn't? See, small pet. It's... He's a burrowing mammal. He's, he's figured that out. He's burrowing. <laughs> okay. What's yes. next? Special guests? Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Never mind. That's right. How? Two. They had two. Okay. So, unfortunately, that's all they have here. Okay. All right. Uh, except where it was. And I'm sure. Sh- James? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're so distracted. Hey. Stop humping the, our, my co-host. How's this? <laughs> House of love, baby. Wow. <laughs> no, more, no more humping him. I feel like I'm about to leave. Go to your bed. Go to your bed. Come on. You're distracting everyone. Um, all right. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> 27. You all forgot the price is right. It's right. If, without going over uh, 3500 yeah, I guess you're right. Did I win? No, you had 2700 but it's so you oh, won. Yeah, you did. I get to come around. Yeah. You won. I'm yeah. coming up. Yeah. Congratulations. Excellent. All right. Move, moving on from this uh, show. Um, so we have our own show coming up soon, right? We do. I'm gone. We do. We will have over, over. So how many zeros? So they had over 3,000? So we'll have many? over three. Right. Right. Three zeros. No, we'll have over 30. So yeah, so That's right. Gronkhan. 22. Coming to you. No, not. You come to GrogCon. You, you come to GrogCon. Exactly. Yep. In uh, Orlando, September 30th through October 2nd. Right. Um, Here at the, uh, off the International Drive of Fun. And if you see behind us, there are the eight Groggies that you could win if you win the tournament. Yeah. Isn't that... Who's going to win? Well, I think Vic thinks he bragging on Discord one twice already. So he's basically printing it for himself and, right. and Genie. That's what he's... So they are ready. They've been uh, quality tested, ready for to be given out. Uh, we have over 32 people signed up for the tournament. Not amazing. We have over 32. Uh, Would that I, be 33? Uh, well, it was 32, but I think... I, I wasn't I, sure if it I, went up or down. I know. Yes, no, but, so I'm very pleased with the... Uh, the amount of people that have signed up for games. We're pretty much all filled up with the games. Yeah, so, but we, are, uh, we have five DMs lined up. Lloyd, Ed, myself, Rob, and Tom. That's fantastic. Well, I think Tom's it, but the rest of them have committed. This is news for Tom. Tom's listening. What? <laughs> Tom's listening. What? So, he, um, so we're looking forward to that. So if you want, sign up, grogcon.com. Uh, the whole day is... Fifty. The uh, whole weekend is fifty dollars. One day is thirty dollars for the event, the tournament. 
uh, running a Dwarven Forge game, running, uh, running this game. So you want to be a rock and roll star? We played this at the Haven Game Store, located at uh, 3385 South U.S. Highway, 1792, Castleberry. Uh, talked to Matt. Right, they're very gracious there. And Good time. It was a real fun game. So uh, people who have signed up for it, you're in for a real treat. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was, uh, I appreciate uh, Rob and Donna uh, and Dan coming out and Mike, Michael coming out to play. So that was a lot of fun where we've got, and in fact, this will be in episode, episode issue nine of Flipping and Turning, the Bard issue. They're perfect. You, where you can craft the lore of the pseudo-undead. What happens to the pseudo-undead? So whatever happens, are you telling me that that's going to become part of canon? Yes, of course. Well, now the stakes have really risen that's, in this game. That's right. I didn't know that. Well, that's, it's got to be. It's got to be the, advent, the campaign of the pseudo-undead. Because what, you, what you're saying is you ran the playtest with us, and you're like, well, <laughs> that clearly can't be the canon. <laughs> no, can't be. <laughs> can't be that. That's not going to work. Yes, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, so we've made some adjustments thanks to that. So, again, flipping and turning. So you can get seven right now. Oh, eight. Eight, the illusionist out. We, we use seven for uh, the assassin thing, which we're working on. So a lot of good stuff. Please go out to smolderingdungames.com. It's an online store. Rob, our Tim Cask, is out there. Support uh, them by either downloading the free version. We give, obviously, patrons get it ahead of time. Um, but you can download them or get hard copies. What other, what other exciting things are coming up from the world of... Uh, smoldering done games. You want to announce this? Well, this is your love child, basically. Absolutely. Well, and and Rob has done a tremendous amount of work. Unbelievable. On this. So this is the Grog Empire Almanac 2022 Almanac, and we've got a map, the Grog Empire map. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with this, patrons were invited to select a region on right. a map drawn by Henry. I recall, correct, right? One yep. of our, right? Henry Hubbard. Son of, son of John. Son of John. Henry, son of John. Henry, son of John. <laughs> Those are very middle-aged names, they aren't are. they? Those are good. Yeah. Henry, son of John, uh, drew the, the sketch of the map, and we hired an artist to put it together. And as you see on the cover, in the center is the original sketch, right. the portion of the original sketch by Henry. And on the back, you'll see a little glimpse, a little peeksy of what the map looks like done by our artist, Yuri, uh, from Brazil. Are we, are we going to show this? I think we have to reveal it. The, un, the unveiling. Right, the unveiling of it. So this is the final map. And just to let you know, if you purchase this, you're getting... Chase, you're get, Chase feel this. Feel this. Don't you hate... Don't you hate... Oh, that's why you should explain what's going on for people <laughs> not, on who are listening on the podcast. Right. He is, he's, he's, he's feeling this map here. I'm molesting the map. Okay, do you remember those times you'd have a Greyhawk map, you'd spill your Dr. Pepper on it? Right. And it would ruined. Ruined, yeah, because it was paper. And like you, 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 of course, would have to go steal another one. Right. From the Walden books in Brooklyn. Uh, B. Dalton's, yeah. B. Dalton, yeah. from, or it doesn't matter. Um, and, uh, or you tear it. Do you remember that? You know, well, what would happen is you, I would put tape, and you tape them on the walls, and then when you take them off, they would rip. Right, you didn't care that you took the paint off. That was your right. parents' problem. Yeah, I don't care. But the that. map would rip. Right. Well, that's not what happens. This is this material is you can spill stuff on it. Right. I think probably. 
Probably. You should wipe it up quickly. Real if fast. it's coffee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can, it's not going to be torn, and it will, it will, you can roll it up and it will lay flat. And here it is. Here's the unveiling. Ladies and gentlemen, the world of Grog Talk map. The world of Grog Talk Empire. Empire map. Almanac map. There it is. There it is. Look how, look how awesome this is. And so we invited patrons. This is really the way we should do the show. Yeah. We invited patrons to select a territory, and they could name it, and they did. And they're on the map now. And the almanac is like the Greyhawk almanac, which has a description of your region. You have to write right. it up. Exactly. Now, that's the good news. Here's the maybe bad news. What is the bad news? Any member of the Grog Empire who ever runs a D&D game or publishes a module. Yeah, must, it must be in the world of Grog Talk. Now. Correct. That is right. <laughs> read the fine print, folks. That's right. And read the fine print. Yeah, if, if you're creating a module, particularly if it's going to Flipping and Turning, it now must be in the world of, world of Grog Talk. So... What we're doing is this will be available at GrogCon, being officially released at GrogCon. When you say available, you mean for sale. Right, for sale. <laughs> yes, this is not free. What is free for patrons is you will get a digital version of the map. Excellent. So everyone, every patron gets a digital version of the map. And then if you want to buy the Fleet Folio and Map, which is a superior map to that other inferior product from the 80s, which we did not copy at all. No. I, we barely were inspired by it. Is that a fair right. statement? Oh, clearly. Right. There's nothing like it. Right. There's no imitation going here at all. Not exactly. at all. So uh, that will be for purchase. And then, of course, it will be available on uh, Smoldering Dung Games. So well done, Dan. Your vision came to pass, which is awesome. And, of course, and of well, course Rob did all the work. Well done, Rob. As, as usual, yes. Uh, Rob did all the work. So. Well, you colored the map. The original map. Right. Henry's map. Right. Right. And so, as you can see... Here's Henry's map inside. Not, not at all like the Greyhawk no. folio or whatever. Nothing completely different. Right, so, so you get that, and here is your almanac, which has the information you need to run adventures in the world of Greyhawk. People are taking screenshots and, and going to write this down separately because they don't want to pay for it, but that's okay. Correct. Yeah, they're just going to pull up the YouTube. That's right. They're going to pull up the YouTube video. <laughs> going to pull up the YouTube so they don't have to pay for it. Anyway. All that's good stuff. Um, so, again, if you are someone who's new to the show, we do this so that people can play old school games. You want to play old school games? Go out to Grognard's Guild online, which is on our Discord. And you can also go to our meetup. I use that to set up uh, my So You Want to Be a Rockstar game. Um, you're, we're also doing a playtest for the tournament coming up, right? We are indeed this Saturday. Not, oh, yeah, a week from. Yes, that's right. that's right. This Saturday, correct. So after we, the show, <laughs> not, okay. Oh no, no. Okay. yeah. Then, uh, then uh, I better tell the wife I've got something to do. No. Um, so we actually take this somewhat seriously. So we are looking forward to seeing you all then. Um, speaking of seriously, we need to check on Go Delicious. We do. Where is the last I heard? Go Delicious was in Japan. He's in Japan with he's with Menyon, uh, who was on here. But uh, was he taking a shower? He, he may be taking a shower now. So I don't know if he's come back already. Um, but if he hasn't, uh, I'm concerned about his visa. Will he be able to get back Grogcon in time? Well, that's a good point. And has he overextended his stay? Because right. I think if you stay too long, aren't you supposed to apply for a different type of visa? Right. Yeah, we're going to have to find that out. So we're going to have to call the Queller and uh, find out. 
if this is some kind of, is he going to be able to come back? Do you think he's, like, you think he's you in bet? the bathroom? Like, so when he takes a shower, do you think the delicious comes along? Ooh, I don't know. That would be nice. We should ask him if, uh, mm. if, he, if he bathes with him. You know those <laughs> traditional Japanese baths, you know, they have that, uh, you have a kimono for, um, uh, for <laughs> Go Delicious. We, I think we should, if, if he finds a kimono the size for Go Delicious, I think we should pay for it. Without question. And, and Go Delicious is, of course, our goat. sort of a mascot. Here's yes. a goat. He was one of our early champs. Go right. Delicious, I think he ultimately lost right. on the air at, Grog, at GrogCon 20. Something like that. Something like that. That's why you have a space for him. And uh, he's been traveling the world, going to our patrons. He's been all around. He's been to New York. He's been to Minnesota. He's now in Japan. Do we know where he's going to? He's been to Tampa. Right. Do we know where he's going to go next? Well, that's the question, because if I think um, Mannion was talking about sending him to the Chamberlain, who's in Australia, but I'm afraid if he takes to Australia, he may not make it back in time. I understand. Oh, that's true. Probably. That'd be close. Yeah. And I don't think we should send him to Russia at this point. No. He may get, it may be an international. I wonder if they'll do a prisoner exchange if he's got bogus charges. Oh, you think maybe? Oh, I see. Yeah. He's an international celebrity. They may use him as a political pawn. So he needs to avoid. The WNBA star, go delicious. Hmm, who would come back first? You know, I think the Queller would be okay if we exchange go delicious for Brian. We should offer. Oh, okay. Why don't you send an email the to Rus- the president? To the president of the Russian consulate. Yes. Yeah, show up. Yes. That's, that's what Menyon <laughs> should go to the Rus- Russian consulate. I assume in there's Japan. a Russian consulate in Japan. They've had such great relationships over the years. I offer you this. Yes, it was a Russo Sino <laughs> War. There was something like that back I in the o- day. I offer you this goat. <laughs> Please send the Americans home. Okay. And and you know Japan coming in as a neutral third party, excellent. I think we are solving all the world's problems. Menyon's going to get a Nobel Peace Prize, <laughs> right. or go delicious, or go delicious. <laughs> They'll share it. I love it. Okay. Oh, there I said it. Occasionally cutting out. Oh, well, if it is, if it's cutting out, okay, let me know. I think the, um, if it's our audio, let us know. If it's the sound thing, I think I'm having a sound problem, so I'll I'll cut out. Thank you, sir. Uh, But if the audio is cutting out, please let me know. Okay, moving on. I did notice that retro ray. Uh, so we talked about Dean, a um, couple other quick things. Dave Khan is way down the list, but it's coming in uh, April, right? March, April. That's our dear friend Vic Dorso's theme. And he gave us for patrons a discount code, which is still available. So go out to Patreon and that and sign up. We are looking forward for that. We missed it last year because various uh, nonsense that we're. Um, yes, that is weird. Lighting is weird, though. Yes. New, sort of. I was working on it last night. It's all the podcasters must have random video. I mean, random lights. So we can't be a YouTuber. All the ones who have millions of people, they have these lights that do this. Change colors. There you go. See, now it's red. Look at that. That's why we have this. We're so fancy. Mm. Uh, okay. So uh, I'm glad people are letting me know about that. Uh, I'll have to check it out. If it keeps getting worse, please let me know. Cause... All right. Um, and also, 
Tampa NerdCon, November 11th through. So a few weeks after BroadCon, we'll be at uh, Tampa NerdCon. Right. All right. So if you can help us, please like and subscribe on YouTube. Do an iTunes review where we'll read it verbatim, good, bad, or indifferent, and become a patron. Uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to the silencer of the Alamo who sent us stuff to give away to our people at Groudcon. That's fantastic. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Very so, nice. As far as I know, there's nothing profane in here or... You have not opened this before. I have not opened this. I'm open. It's a, it's a, it's a reveal as we open it. It's an, un, it's an un- here. enveloping. Here you can read that. Oh. Greetings. To the general, his eminent honor, Sir Terrible Sword of Longwood, and the governor, his brilliant omnipotence, King Stupendous Slaughterer of Winter Park. I leave these two historical items in your care. To be granted to a member of the empire as your beneficence deems fit. Both are from the same collection, purchased from a merchant after many hours of dignified haggling about the price. You will find enclosed... The Rogues Gallery. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. And a catalog from the Dungeon Hobby Shop with royal seal of the House of Gygax still intact. No, this is getting tough on me. The Demens, D-E-M-E-S-N-E. Okay. Oh, you're not helping me with that? No, okay. I, have, I have no idea what that is. Here you go. I don't know what that is. The Demens of the previous owner is inscribed on the back. Oh, the, like the signature. Then I have its twin still in my possession. Ah. And I like to think of this as a link between myself and whatever distant member of the Empire receives it into his or her possession. I wonder, will the temptation to penetrate the mysteries within overcome the desire to leave the virtue of the document intact? I am grateful for all the Empire has done for me. Oh, this is ending correctly. This is the way, this is, which uses a model right. for people. We, I'm going to put this on the website. When you send <laughs> correspondence to us, this is how it should be. <laughs> the appropriate way. I am grateful for all the Empire has done for me. I am grateful to repay it in part in even this humble manner. Until the seas boil and the dice lie, the Admiral, His Magnificent Majesty Archduke, the powerful silencer of the Alamo. Dictated, but not read. Excellent. Well done, sir. Gets golf claps all around. So here it is, the Rogues Gallery. This will be given away, rolled off. Uh, it's pronounced the mine. The I mine with the emphasis on the second one. The mine. Oh, the mine. The mine. Yes. Ex- oh, what a beautiful copy of this. I'm and the Rogue's this- Gallery, of Rogue's course. Rogue's Gallery, classic, which we used last time. So it is a plethora of uh, useful information. We have a dungeon hobby shop uh, catalog, which will be rolled off. And, where's- and he says that there is the, uh, this royal seal of the House of Gygax still intact. I'm not gonna t- I don't know where it is, but I'm not going to touch it. Oh, here it is. There it is. So it has not been opened. It has not been opened. So that's what you mean by tempting, that's right? right? If you were to open it. And the Dungeon Hobby Shop. Oh, so this is, is this the new one or is this an original one from way back in the day? A catalog well, from the it Dungeon says Hobby? TSR Hobbies, Inc. So P.O. Box. Oh, can I see that? So this is the original. I believe so. Or cur- yes. Why oh, look at this. Renette. Wait, we have a name. That's what he, yes, that's said. Yes, Tim Runette. You don't 
Did you read what he said? Well, it's hard to pay attention when you're reading it, because especially when you word words like Well, it's demain. When you have words like demain that I have to, you know, come on. Utter. So Nancy. Yes, the royal seal. The, 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 oh, the demands of the previous owners inscribed in the back. Tim Burnett. We have to look for Tim Burnett. Right. In Deerfield, Ohio. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, so it has not been opened. That's Don't open it. So the question is, yes. why did Tim not open this? Maybe because it came with a bunch of other crap. Maybe. Oh, yeah. This is just like the catalog. You know, yeah. he's like, he bought something. Right, and they just threw it in. Like, really? What do I care? I and I, I got uh, Gamma World. I don't need anything else. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to have to look up Tim Runette, Deerfield, Illinois, uh -huh. to try to get him on the show. Excellent. That is, be that is beautiful. And ask him and berate him. <laughs> Why did you not? But wait, James. Yes. There's more. Uh huh. P.S. I have also included two permanent character record sheets on the original blue paper. Beautiful. Look at them. Un pristine. And one photocopy as a sort of homage to the previous owner. There were numerous such photocopies of forms and images in the collection. So I can guess the previous owner was in a household of some renown. Right. With free access to a photocopier of what would have been respectable quality. He's going to get hired this guy as a writer for our show. He's wonderful. He's better than us. Well, I'll speak for myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are also two-player character sheets. Goldenrod. Cl cleric slash druid and magic user slash illusionist. Well, I didn't even assume they were the same. They are. This, his inventory is very descriptive. Oh, look, and they haven't been, they're, they're attached. They're, they're still attached. Right. That's why I'm, I'm be, I really, do we have any gloves? Some of us. No. You should have those uh, caretaker gloves. You're you, know, the, you know, the ones they, the, uh, the historians have, the you're, caretakers. Your dog is probably going to, like, eat that. Oh, you know, that's a good point. Probably move. And they were on the original Goldenrod, as you saw. Alas. Alas. There were no photocopies of these sheets. The magics of the goldenrod being too much for the device the young lord had at hand. I hope these will either prove practically useful or sufficiently ornamental. I apologize for the length of this entry. No, never. Well done, sir. Excellent. I like that it was dictated but not read. That right. Was... <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well done, sir. The silencer of, of Alamo. Thank you for these gifts. They will be at the Grog Con table. And I think we're just going to do a roll-off where people come by, they roll the dice, highest dice wins, and if there's a tie, they roll off at the end. No, no, no. no. They have to pronounce that word correctly. Whoever is the closest, <laughs> um, you have to pronounce it. Demain? You have to read Demain. that. You have to read that letter and get all pronunciations correct. Who can read the fastest without, uh, with the least errors? <laughs> yeah, correct. Like a, like a typing test. Correct. Excellent. Well, that's what you have to look forward to. You get to see this. You get to see... Uh, Stuff to give away. We're going to give away stuff is not as cool as that. Um, we're all very excited. And again, thank you, sir. Well done. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Send it as well. We, I don't know if you're, are you coming and planning to come? If not, we'd love to see you. Please stop by. Indeed. All right. Excellent. Well, with that, um, I think we're ready for the best of 1982, August. 40 years ago, today. Yes. You turn on the radio. What was your radio like back then in 82? What would it look like? A Walkman. Just, oh, you had a Walkman. 
Did it have a tape deck cassette? Yes, it was a fake one. It wasn't a real Walkman. What do you mean it wasn't a real Walkman? What does that mean? I got a knockoff one. Oh, I didn't. I've forgotten that Walkman it was a Kleenex. Right, it was the name of correct. It was the Sony. Brand. It was a Sony Walkman. I had the knockoff. We went to the flea market and got the Wufong three thousand, whatever it was called. All right, I'm sure. I, I'm sure I did too. Uh, so you you put on your Walkman. Yes. You turn on. I don't know. Here it would have been WDIZ. Where what would you have been listening to? Um, in nineteen eighty two, there in Brooklyn, Queens. Oh, um, Queens, Queens, Brooklyn, whatever. I, you know, I don't remember because uh, in nineteen eighty two, I was pretty young, and I just listened to tapes. Okay. Because well, they had no metal on ours. Oh, never, never. So I didn't care. Never. So you turn it on uh, the radio, and you hear this song playing. It's the number one song. And uh, it's not Ebony and Ivory. Wait, you, are you cheating? No, it's always been Ebony and Ivory. No, it was not last week. <laughs> okay. or two weeks ago, it was not. I'll tell you this, it's the same song from two weeks ago. I'm becoming like you, I can't mm-hmm. remember. Uh, it was a movie, it was for a movie. Oh, it was for a movie. Early 80s, only movies that they're just playing over and over. Endless sequels <laughs> to this. Oh, yeah, it's Eye of the Tiger. You are correct, sir. Thank you. That was a good thing. Endless okay. sequel. The endless sequel is. Now, ready for this. You're going to be stunned. Oh, wait a minute. There's, a, there's an Easter egg. There is a letter to the recipient hidden in there as well. There's a letter to the recipient. It in the, must have inserted one into. The... Oh, into maybe the dungeon hobby or something? Yes. I'm oh. Guessing. Okay, but so we, that's for the recipient. Right. We're not the recipient. We're not the recipient. Okay. James, you're going to be stunned. Are you sitting down? I am sitting down. E.T.'s been knocked out at number one. Wow, just so soon. <laughs> what movie? It's going to be back, though. <laughs> Coming back. What movie has knocked out E.T.? This week, this is the number one movie. From 1982. It got released this week. Okay, so that's why it's, oh, it took wow. Correct, people were so excited. And it's August, so it's a late blockbuster. Not really a blockbuster. Blockbusters came out on Memorial Day, to. And it's not, it's not Rocky Three, but it is a sequel. It's a sequel. Interesting. Uh, Crocodile Dundee 2. Was there a Crocodile Dundee 2? <laughs> I'm sure there was. Oh, my God. Why? <laughs> of the humanity. <laughs> I didn't see the first one. So I don't know. I insult stuff I haven't seen. I shouldn't uh, do that. Goonies. Someone brought, chose Goonies. It is not Goonies. No. It is a horror movie. Oh, it's a horror movie. Okay, then it's either, uh, I'm going to say it's Nightmare on Elm Street 2, then. You are not correct. Sir. Okay, well, hold on. Can else get it on there? It is a horror movie. It is the third. Oh, third. Part three. Oh, okay. Of Friday the 13th? That is correct. That was the other two. Don't ask so disappointed. Well, I picked the wrong one. Okay. There indeed was a Dundee 2. See? There you go. It's, well, <laughs> it's something like Outback, Now in the Outback, or something it was called. <laughs> Bushwhacked. Bushwhacked. Just tell, just tell me it ended with two. I don't know why I said that. It might be good. I I'm, no sure, I'm sure there's, there's uh, probably a whole series like um, okay. Aliens. Oh, Aliens 2 would have been good too, but I think Aliens 2 would have been right around. No, Aliens 2 was 86. I think it was, I think it was later. Aliens was 79. They waited a few years, if I remember. Now, there was a Porky's too. Yes. That was horrible. Okay. They, was there a Porky's 3? That's the question. Um, I don't remember. Support Grog Talk by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com backslash grog talk. All right. 
We are back. And we have two new, two new little figures that we are talking to right now. So, Dan, why don't you introduce our guest? We are thrilled to have on the show today Laurel Nicholson and John Keefe. They were freelance writers for Mayfair Games, the Rollades line. They did Deadly Power, Elven Banner, Undead, and they also did Monsters of Myth and Legend uh, 2. And so we're thrilled to have them on the show to talk about what they were doing what, about 40 years ago. Plus or minus. Plus or minus. So welcome to the show, guys. Good morning. Good morning. So what I wanted to ask you about, and I love, the reason why we're thrilled to have you on the show is I love Undead. So uh, you guys wrote Undead, a supplement for D&D, published with the, uh, Mayfair Games, the Rollades line, and I think it's great. And we're, of course, going to want to talk a lot about that. Uh, but my first question is, how did you guys meet? So how, how did the combo come about? Well, we moved right next to John. So we ended up being next door neighbors. And who's we? Oh, my husband and I and our kids. We had three kids. So we were a little bit younger back then. It was about 40 years ago. And so we all moved in in the heart of winter. And we didn't really see anybody till spring. But then um, we had players on both sides of our house. So it was, it was lots of fun. Wait, so wait, where were you that no one was coming out until, the, was this <laughs> Alaska? <laughs> Illinois, Elmer is outside of Chicago. Okay. <laughs> we, we were in De Plains just a few days ago. That's, that's right. For, for, was it for a convention? Uh, no, it was for, uh, that's convention? We at Shermer High School. Oh, the, the, the Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Based out of Shermer. That's, oh, that's right. Plains. Shermer in De Plains, uh, Illinois. So, 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 John, had you, got, had you been playing? So when Laurel moves next to you and then emerges at some point. Right, like, the, like this caterpillar. <laughs> Like cicadas every 17 years. I moved out the next year. I moved out the next year. <laughs> oh, is, that, is that true? Oh, yeah. I was living with my parents. Oh, yeah. I was living with my parents. And so next to my parents' house. So next to my parents' house. Then I moved out the next year to Bensonville, Illinois. Yeah, but uh, I don't know that I, don't know that I even knew about Dungeons and Dragons until maybe 1979 or 80. So probably maybe 79, 80, you were playing. So maybe. It's around that time. So what, what year did you? I know this sounds like a deposition. What what year? What year? Uh, we're trying to secure an indictment. What? <laughs> We believe you have confidential AD and D material still in your house. Uh, what? I do. What? What? Wait. What year? So, so Laurel, what year roughly did you move next to John? Seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. So you were so you were married and had kids when you moved next to John. Was living with his parents. Do I have this right? Right. Okay. So. And you played I, know, I think I was working back then too. Wow, she's so, busy. Yeah. Had you played D&D? &D? So, 
you know, we all, but then when the springtime came, we all got together. And I think it was the following year that somebody said, do you want to play this game we're playing? It's called Dungeons and Dragons. And we said, sure. If you'll notice the very first um, one that we wrote, Deadly Power, it is also written by my husband who helped too. So it's got Donald Dickelson on there too. Okay. So we're all, all playing. Okay, so you, and you said you had kids, you said you had kids, right? <laughs> so because usually the way this works is the kids will play. So this is, this is somewhat unusual, isn't it? So, or is it not? They were, they were very little. Um, and so what was it? So most, most of the time people who, if you've got kids, you're kind of move. you're, you're not the typical, hey, let's start playing D&D. &D. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, what was it? Who introduced you to the game and what attracted you to the game? I think it was probably John or somebody in John's family. Or it could have been. It was probably me, but. It was probably me, but it might have been because maybe my father mentioned that. Uh, we were playing Dungeons and Dragons, so. and, and, and they said, "So we, you came over to our house, and we ended up playing, and we loved it. We just loved it, and we would play. I remember sometimes we'd start like seven or eight at night, and we would play till three in the morning. We had, and and then get up and go to work in the morning. I don't know how we did it, but it, we." Didn't seem like such a problem back then. And uh, John, how old were you at this point? In '79, I would have been twenty. In '79, I would have been twenty-five. About twenty-five. Depending on what time. About twenty-five. Depending on what time of year it was. And and who who was the dungeon master? I would have been the dungeon master. I would have been the the dungeon master at the start, and then later on, and I kind of switched off as dungeon master. And, and, and Laura, do you remember your first character? Oh, I think I played with the same character. It was a magic user. Of course. Oh, the magic user. Of and elf magic user? Um, no, I think she might have been half elven. Now, this is strange. Okay, you played a magic user, and your character didn't die in the first adventure. I don't understand. Were you not... John, did you not understand you're supposed to kill? You were. Clearly, John didn't know how to play. That's right. Yeah. So... Well, that's right. We would not be having this interview. That's right. I'm glad. Well, what we found is everyone sells their first character. They remember it and died very quickly, and they loved it after that. That's kind of the been the history. So I didn't try to kill people that much. I don't think I ever killed anybody. I don't think I ever killed anybody. I don't think so, I'm but not sure. there is one. There is a sore point that. That um, I did accidentally, with I think it was a fireball, kill um, John's character. Oh. That he's never quite gotten over. It was intentional. It was intentional. <laughs> and she visited last July. And she visited last July, and I had the character seed. And now it's gone. I can't find it anywhere, so I think she's taking the evidence. <laughs> 
Did you stamp confidential on it? No. I did. Did you declassify it? I did play a this is not this character that she stole right, and killed, Noma, the, right? I played the Noma Lucius. And I was looking at the character, and it said that the his patron or mentor was Tear Spoiled Trump. And I, why would I put that down in the eighties or whatever it was? And he was uh, from the College of. Um, Illusionary manipulation. Illusionary manipulation. This is my kind of guy. Right. This is perfect. This is perfect. So why? So what? So then you. So you. So is it fair to say were you both hooked on the game from the get go? Yeah. And and then we were at what um, convention was it? Chicago War Gamers Association. Chicago War Gamers Association. And we were playing there with a friend of ours, Dan Tolman. And it was a game that somebody had started but hadn't been published. They were testing it at the convention. And it had robots in it. And all the little robots were attacking Dan. And somehow he turned all the robots against the town and just like destroyed everything. And the author was standing there with his hands on his head, kind of yelling, it's not supposed to happen like this. This isn't supposed to happen. And so we were just, of course, thought it was the funniest thing that ever happened. But then I turned to John and I said, I can write this stuff. We can write this stuff easily. So that's when we did. I said, no, we can't. I said, no, we can't. Well, yeah, did you have life? You're you're in your twenties. You're a mother, a wife. What was and you're working? What kind of job were you doing, Laurel, at the I'm time? A writer. Okay, so yeah, so you have the background. It wasn't just, hey, I'm right. well, well raised. Writing my whole life. So I got you. Thought, oh, this would be easy. This would be fun. Now you guys are. Good. And you stayed in John. You said you moved. So you, I think you said you moved too far away. So you guys obviously stayed in contact. Okay. I moved, I moved five right. miles away. Yeah, I moved, I moved five okay. miles away. Okay. Or something like that. And then we stayed in contact. Started writing the, the started writing the, the module, even I didn't though think it go anywhere. I didn't think it would go anywhere. <laughs> it actually and did after TSR It actually did after TSR turned us down. Kind of slapped us um, in the face and turned us down. And the Chicago War Gamer. Now, that, now, Gary Gygax was involved, if I recall correctly. Isn't that the one that Gary Gygax was involved in that. Uh, I don't know. Was he like floating around? Like, did you see any big names at the Chicago War Gamers convention? Not that I recognized. Not that I recognized. But I probably didn't know what anybody looked like there at that time anyway. And he, maybe he had floated away from them. I mean, we're talking like, what, 1979, 1980? Yeah. So he's maybe not doing much. I think the convention was 1981. I think the convention was 1982 itinerary. We didn't go to that one. So, and we didn't go to that one. So it's probably. Why? So why you chose that one? I would have thought you would have tried to get to Gen Con. No, no. No, no. Gen Con was too far away. Oh, Gen Con was too far away. Oh, no. Sometimes Parkside. We went to Gen Con in Milwaukee. 
in the late 80s or something like that, but we didn't play anything. We just had our kids with so us. So tell me about, so the collaboration then on the first one, that's, that's what's going to become Deadly Power, right, which is going to end up being published by Mayfair, part of the Rolaids line. Uh, you said you were turned out, you sent it into TSR, and they turned you down. They it, said that it, it sounded like a, what was that? A parody. Oh, parody. Um, when it actually was, we kind of did it as a parody of Chicago politics. So we said, oh, well, they got that at least. So they weren't interested in it. We thought it was kind of funny at times. So we brought it to Rolaids, and they liked it. And how did you know about Rolaids? So for a lot of us back in the day, we knew TSR. TSR, we'd send something in and TSR turns down. We'd be like, that's, that's it. that. That's it. Nowhere else to go. Um, I only discovered Rolaids after I got back into the game. So were you guys familiar with, with the Rolaids line? I used to buy a, a lot I used to buy a, a lot of non-TSR. Publications, so yeah. I knew about when them. We the and when we were at the played in that uh, convention, I told Lori that I said, you know, this guy had published modules for Roll Aids, and she said, well, I can write better than that, or something like that. So that that's why we went to Roll Aids afterwards. And they kind of said. But we like this, but we'd like to change it a little bit. And so they worked with us, and it turned out that uh, I thought it turned out pretty good, other than minor things about maps and leaving things out. And uh, leaving things out. Well, we, we have a review, James. Oh, I love reviews. And it would have been great if we could have gotten that guy right. who wrote that one. That one review. <laughs> no, no, the guy who they didn't like his game so well. Oh, right. like, we could do it better. It'd be great if we could have had him on the show. Okay. Yeah. So, Space Gamer number 72, so this is a little long, but this is a good review. I, I realize I'm not familiar with Deadly Power, but after reading this, I, it's, it sounds like the kind of adventure that I would like. So, this is Rick Swan. Rick Swan. Right, so we just had a swan. Space Gamer number 72, he says, although the quest for the seeds, so this is 1984, Deadly Power, the first, and so it's, when I listen to your uh, interview on Roll for Initiative, uh, for about 10 years ago, I got in my head that this adventure actually was about Chicago politics. Like, I, I left that interview thinking it was like a gangbusters type of game, right? Yeah, like Al Capone. Well, yeah, the um, Untouchables. Like yeah. Kevin, Kevin Costner's in there. And, right. And Sean Connery. Yeah. Right. But no, this is D, it's D&D. Here it Although the quest for the seeds, because you're seeking some seeds, is the heart of deadly power, it's the sorting out of these allegations that gives it a special flavor and depth. Like the other modules in the Roll 8 series, it's a quality effort, both in execution and premise. The quest for the seeds requires four separate steps to complete, and even though each step is fairly involved, smooth play is ensured by thorough descriptions and instructions from the GM. The uncertainty of exactly who's on your side and who isn't adds a nice edge to the proceedings, with a lot of action and hair-raising encounters, including a trip through hell. It's unlikely that even the most jaded of role players will lose interest in deadly powers. So that's a very good review. So it sounds like a very interesting adventure. A lot of who's on my side, who's not, a lot of intrigue. So do you remember that review coming out, and, and were you pleased? 
we were very happy about, we got a lot of positive reviews and we were very excited. And, I, mean, I still got the Space Game of Race here. There's a review of it in Age of Dust. That's pretty funny about it. It's a much longer review and a lot of swearing. But it's a really good review. He gave an 8 out of 10. If you're interested, you should look at that. And so after that, so then 1985, so you brought back, so was... Mayfair then encouraging you to submit more things. So because once Deadly Power was successful, were they coming back to you and wanting more stuff? Probably. I think they were, John. Or we were talking to, was it Corey Glaberson back then? You talked to everybody at Mayfair. I never had any interaction with them. Corey Glaberson was involved with Undead a lot, I think. And I think I can't. Bromley might have been the editor of, of uh, Deadly Power. So we, yeah, but I'm not really positive. We were having. And uh, but, I was just. But you, you had the idea for Elvin Banner. And I think you brought it to them, and they said, "Go ahead and do it," or something like that. Elvin Banner. Was an idea we got. It's actually a true story from um, <clears throat> when we were in Scotland in the Isle of Skye, and we were at this Dunvegan, this the Nicholson Castle, and the story is that the laird was married to a fairy queen, and when she was about to give birth, she left him, but she left him this fairy flag that could be unfurled three times in battle, and they still have the fairy flag hanging in the castle. Mm. So I kind of just took that story and redid it for Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, so here's the problem. Do you find when you go on vacation that you spend much of your time simply thinking about how you could use this to make a D&D &D adventure? <laughs> um, I guess it depends on where you're going. <laughs> Like when you're, yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean D and D, or if I'm writing anything that I could, how I could use this, or if it would be fun to write a story about something like that. Yeah, fan fantastic. So and just before we go on, yeah. the so how long did it take from the time you all said you were at the convention or the war gamers thing to when it got published? How long did that take? I think we started in the fall of 82, and the primary for the mayoral race in Chicago was in the spring of 83, and it came out, I think in the summer of 83 we were rejected by TSR. And look where they are now, right? See? Did they sh <laughs> right. <laughs> so we redid it in the fall of '83 for, for Mayfair, and I think it came out okay. '84. So a little over a year from you had to write it, pitch it, then go to another place, edit it. What lessons did you learn from that experience? Had you ever published anything, Laura, in your writing career at that point, or had you had other things published? Did that experience help? Or I'm just curious again. again Dan and I have published things, but that's now in 20... I, I couldn't imagine in the 80s publishing something. So 
you know, what was the steps you took and what lessons did you learn from this? It's probably easier back then because you could just approach people directly and say, we have an idea, we want you to read it, and they would read it and either reject you so you could move on to the next person. And um, Mayfair was, we were pretty happy with Mayfair. And did you, what lessons did you learn from the first time, you know, when you did uh, Daily Powers to the next uh, collaboration? <laughs> to stay with Mayfair. Um, basically, I don't know if it ever got easier. It Part of the, the fun things about writing the Dungeons and Dragons was that you get to create worlds. And you get to have outcomes that maybe aren't as easy in life. So if you want to have a good outcome, you can lead the characters that way. And you can make worlds and do all kinds of creative creative things. John also is a very, very creative person. So coming up with worlds, I think you came up with the Caldera, which was a great idea. So I think it was just, I don't know if we learned much. I think we learned more style and what they're looking for and how to approach them maybe a little better after the first project. Did you, did you go down to the local gaming store to see if they had a copy of Deadly Power and uh, like, to get a kick out of seeing your product? Like, I've always intended to take something we write and just, like, stick it in, like, a bookstore. Well, we're, we're hoping that, um, you know, Lloyd, who owns now the friendly local gaming store in Orlando, a.k.a. Sci-Fi City, for a while, he's going to have an end cap of locally produced uh, content. And he said our stuff could potentially go up there. Potentially. And vegetables. And vegetables. That's correct. So did, did, you, did, you go, did, you run down, did you go down and see your product sitting there next to us, the TSR stuff? Our, our friend Dan and I used to go to the local gaming every, store practically every, every, Sunday, we, practically every fall, Sunday, and we, we, in the fall we'd go rifle through and we'd rifle through it. They'd get boxes on the floor, and it wasn't, wasn't like that. neatly arranged or anything like that, and I'd look through and try and find our things or, or other things that weren't TSR. Then we'd go to, over to Bishop's Chili, and we Watch the bears and eat chili the rest of the afternoon after that. Just about every every weekend. That sounds great. Chili after this? That sounds good. I'm going to and go get some chili. Sounds great. And what kind of, just out of curiosity, what what kind of non-TSR things were did you like, if you remember? Well, there were a lot of Mayfair products. Remember... More guard. I can't remember. By, uh, Jeffrey Dillo. I, I can't remember. Jeffrey Dillo. I, I thought was pretty anything good. And anything by Janelle Jaquez. I, I kept even the Dragon Quest. I ran the horse. Uh, something about a forest. The Enchanted Forest once, which was a I changed it to D and D. Some judges guilds. A lot of judges guilds. A lot of judges guilds. Then I guess they're not very good, but they also had a lot of good products. And so that and so that brings us to then to, to 1986, so Undead, which I think is it fair to say that this is 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 what you're most famous for, right? It would be Undead. Yeah. I would yeah. Say so. 
Because, yeah. you know, so. when we got back into the game, because we took about 30 years off, and we didn't know each other. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I got We still back, don't know each other. We still don't know. When I got back into the game, when we both did, we started to stop... Were you, was he one of your clients? Yes. <laughs> um, we asked you not to talk about that. Yeah, um, no, James wasn't a client so, of mine. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so the, the history of that is, um, you know, we stopped playing in the late, 80s, early 90s, or something like that, plus or minus a few years. Again, not knowing each other. Right, not knowing each other. You're, yeah. I lived in New York. I grew up there, moved down here, raised the family, moved over to Orlando, and start my kids as they got older. I started playing D&D with them. I said, you know, and the newer editions came out. I really didn't know them. So I said, hey, uh, I wonder if anyone's playing first edition. So I serendipity i looked online first edition central florida and there was this ad central florida grognards guild meetup that just started about a month before that in 2017 and uh dan his best friend ed had started the thing because they they were going to gary con pretty much the last two or three years like boy it's really hassle the only time we play is that once a year let's create a local thing I went there and I started playing with them, and, and then serendipity, we just said, "Hey, why don't we create a con?" And that's how we started. So that's it's been a little over five years now. That's how we started. Yeah, and one of the great things is that now with you know the internet and eBay, you're able to find things that you didn't even know existed, and that is things, for example, like the Rollades line, or like you know, like the Judges Guild stuff, which. You know, John, you, you, you were ahead of the game because you, you were finding that stuff back then. But for people like James and I, we only knew the TSR stuff. Uh, and so I got Lich Lords much later. I, I found it at another store and I uh, saw it. And I'm like, oh, because I was looking for a high level adventure. It was, you know, there was, there wasn't, besides the TSR ones, there was only a handful and they'd all been played. Um, and then all of a sudden, we had, uh, I saw Lich Lord. So I did have, that was the only uh, Roll Aids one that I had. Because it was the only one there. Right. I, I would have got other ones, but it was the only one there. And this is, right. And this is, so So you guys wrote something called Undead. So, and and just for people who aren't familiar with this, is it strikes me, it is it's, it has an adventure, but it is really, it's a setting, really, right? It can be, it's a sandbox. You could use it as a sandbox setting. So you're not just getting a single adventure, but maybe you could talk about Undead, how you guys decided to write it, because as I mentioned, this seems to be what you're most famous for. When I started looking for adventures that you might not know about, or you didn't know about back in the day, that were done not by TSR, but by other companies, the ones that kept coming up were like the Janelle Jaquays would come up a lot, and Undead came up a lot. And so I grabbed it, and I think it's fantastic. So maybe you guys could talk a little bit about how this came about. Well, I don't know if it came about because they wanted that... Who was it that was coming out with the new dragon, John? The Ice Dragon? No, that was something later on. That was something later on. Wanted us to make a couple of monsters from their line of products. But originally, you called me and said that Mayfair wanted you to do Undead. I had quit doing Elven Banner in the middle of it. 
warfare in the middle of it. And so they contacted Laurel and, and said, will you do an undead? And she, so she called me later and said, this is supposed to be 100 pages. And I don't know if I can do this all by myself. Will you help me? And so I said, okay, I'll do it. I, I had a lot less going on at that time. Back when Elvin Banner was being done, I was playing softball two nights a week and every weekend and golf on one night and basketball on another night. I just didn't have any time to complete to, to finish it, so I quit on that one. And it's, but, but, see, but you came back. You came back for Undead. Pulled you back in. Yeah, Pulled you back in. Back. So could you just, so what were you, you asked for 100 pages. So what, what were you told it should be like? That's a lot of pages. I think they wanted a lot of new characters. They wanted the whole new milieu, and they wanted an adventure. Pretty much what we delivered. And you said John. You said John came up with the uh, the basic idea of what the Caldera would. The location. The location. I would have come up with. Lori had the backstory of the brooding dragon, and then from there, or we went on and tried to flesh out. We, we sent them a, a what do you call it? A summary of what we were going to do. And actually, there were a couple of summaries because I've got some of the old stuff. And uh, one summary said we're going to do this and have four adventures. And the next summary said we're going to do other things and have two adventures. And it turned out that that we did one adventure. They published one adventure. We did two adventures. And they didn't put the one in. And uh, I think one thing that was left out by us that they may have wanted was the undead, uh, how their armies would work, because that part of it we didn't write. The, the, you know, the skeletons, and you can see in the, the module the pictures of how, how the undead army works. We didn't write that. And we so didn't write that. So I'm assuming Corey Glaberson did, but it could have been. I thought you had a part of that. Bromley I thought you did part of that. No, I didn't do that. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I got mad about that. Oh, you got mad? <laughs> or, or at least the, 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 the ending, I didn't. They took away my ending of the adventure and put some of that in instead, which is fine because people well, really What was the ending? So that was taken out. Originally, I had, uh, after you got all the treasure, you'd come out of the, I think it was a hoodoo, and you'd run into like 500 dwarves or 250 dwarves that were all charmed and being uh, led by some whites or moon scourges. And the, so it looked pretty grim, but if you had the sword of um, Griswold, Griswold, yeah, if you had the sword of Griswold and you started to use it, it would break the charm on the dwarves and they would turn to your side and start helping out when attacking in the moon scourges and whites or whatever they were to help you get Sounds like a new pub. We need to republish. The undead under smoldering dung games get the rights to it, and they can put the extended writer's cut 
there. Yes, the extended edition. Right. Do you want the publishing? Right. See? We don't even have to ask. Right. Yeah. Our people. Are, no one knows that, John. You can finish yeah, it. you guys can finish it. Absolutely. We'll, we'll put it on. We'll put it on. Uh, so our friend who who publishes our fanzine, we have our fanzine, flipping and turning, uh, various. Uh, it's not even a fanzine. What is this now? What do we call this? Um, magazine quality literature. Quality literature. Yes, this is we're up to issue. We're gonna be up to issue nine when our convention happens. He has uh, produced our version of shameless plug right at this time. He's produced our version of the uh, Grog Empire, which looks nothing like Greyhawk. It looks nothing like the Greyhawk folio. Um, so we had one of our one of our patrons' sons create a map for us. That was he was ten and he put that together. And now we have our official map. So we have a publishing company that we can get a hold of. So Mayfair, who cares about them? Well, we're the new Mayfair. That's baby. right. That's right. Exactly. When I wasn't going to mention this, but this seems like a good time. I was going to mention it now. But this seems like a good time. Why? Because you know they've created, as you know, an entire undead milieu. Right. We. This is the world of grog talk. This we, is our patrons have established kingdoms throughout the things. If you can see it, we will send you a copy of this. so You can memorize it for the next time you're on, so you know all the places. And there are a couple of places that right. have that we added on here that were not places taken by patrons. We just right. thought people would want them later. And I'm just going to point out that up here, one that's not taken is called the Duchy of Death. The Duchy of Death. On up here in the northwest is the Prelacy of the Bone Priests. Uh, and we've got a place for the Dark Druid, but I'm thinking Duchy of Death. I'm, you know, the Duchy of I'm Death. I'm just thinking the Duke of Death. That maybe it's time for a reunion. A, a 300 page opus, the magnum work that you all could work for. Duchy of Death. For so, the Duchy of Death. So think about it. Just think about it. You don't have, you don't have to commit now. Okay. I already contacted the Coast about getting the rights back and. They said they weren't interested in selling the rights. Nice. Using oh, it. so the Wizards got Mayfair at some point? We just prefer, we just want this to be buried. <laughs> we, we prefer to hoard it. Oh, so, so at some point Mayfair got acquired by somebody who got acquired by Wizards of the Coast? Does that happen? Uh, I called Mayfair. Uh, I called Mayfair, and, and Mayfair still is in existence. I don't know if someone else owns them, but but they said that they they're still with the the board games like Catan, but they sold all the Rollades line to Wizards of the Coast, and so I had a contact Wizards of the Coast, and then trying to get through to them to to get them to realize I wanted to buy the rights back. So the good news is you can do fan fiction, obviously, of this as a, you know, as an homage to it, because based on our sales of our stuff, they, you would be no threat to Wizards of the Coast. They would not be worried about any, no one would, no would, would mistake what we do as Dungeons and Dragons. It's a parody. As, it's literally a parody. <laughs> so here are some of the things I actually love about this. I love the tone of the undead. Uh, it strikes me, nothing personal, it strikes me as mildly disturbing at times, but I like that. So, you know what I love? I love the Lich Lord Council, right? So you have this Lich Lord Council, 
And what's great about the Lich Lord Council is, number one, the fact that there is, like, a council. Right. It sounds so, like, organized. And what's great about it well, is... Well, they that, are high-level magic users and clerics, so, I mean, they would have a council. And they just, they're, like, interesting people. I mean, disturbing, yeah. but interesting. Well, they're undead. They have personalities. So they're not just simply... More than living people. Yes. Without question. They're not just... So can you talk a little bit about... Uh, creating the Litchler Council because they have such flavor. You know, they're not simply just a photocopy of, you know, a monster manual entry. I'm trying to remember how I came up with that, John. What do you remember? Most of that was your idea. That's one thing we wrote together. And Laurel was much better at writing the character ideas and I would give the stats for them and things like that. So she came up with that. I don't know. I don't know. No, what made Peter come up with all with the council and all that. So here, so here is I'm looking. Her IT person is interrupting. Her IT person is interrupting. Oh, it's okay. It's a rage. It's a rage. Wizards of the Coast have come. They get the Mayfair show. Classified. They got it. Come get them. We're gonna bury it. They're gonna flush it down the toilet. No, you like you like characters that maybe started off one way, but that were somehow turned or were um. Forced into, forced into different, personalities, different personalities, and maybe go along, go with, along it with it, or become. You know, you believe, you know, you believe things, things that, that aren't really aren't real, really real and, then you, and then you start following people. people. We've seen that We've today, seen but that today, that's what happened with the Lich Lord Council too. Let me and let me. So I'll give you an example. Come, this is Kamal. My house is bad. It's just the first pair. Just to give you an idea of, of the background. In life, Kamal was short, about five foot five. Hey. Hey. And, hey. and stout. Hey. And was fair skinned with reddish hair. Oh, no. He remained an outcast for most of his miserable lifetime. The town folk laughed at his obesity, despite his reputation for being an evil sorcerer with a vengeful disposition. He could be the wizard in the market. He could be. So that gives you an idea of some of the flavor that they have. I, and you would wonder why they would turn and try to murder everyone when the townsfolk were, while they were alive, torture, uh, you know, belittling them. See, that's what—that's the beauty of this. It, it actually gets you rooting for the lich lords. Right. <laughs> so, I love the... Okay, so where's the spells? The spells are amazing. Okay. All right. Uh, the spells. Okay, ready for this, James? Okay, okay yeah. You're going to quiz me? Oh, no, I'm just going to tell you about it. The first spell, decompose. Successfully casting a decompose spell will cause the victim to start itching for one round. During the next round, the victim's skin will break into open sores, oozing pus for 1d4 of damage. The third round, the skin will actively decompose and begin to fall from the body in chunks, causing more damage. Sounds like monkeypox. Hopefully it's not. That's... That's a good spell. Who, who's responsible for decompose? I think I was. What level I, I, was. I like it. That's more is kind of similar to that. Your flesh starts that falling off your body on that one, too. That was like based on a song. That was like based on a song or 
called Requiem by oh, King Crimson. King Crimson. Yeah, nice. and it, 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 it sounds it starts <laughs> off slowly, almost melodious. By the end, your face is literally falling off because it gets so That's easy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming, John, you're responsible for torture. Is that fair to say? By using this spell, the caster can physically cause wounds of torture. Uh, shroud. I like shroud. It envelops the caster, and so you're invisible in certain areas. We've got some, uh, oh, this, this is the best one. Entomb. When an entombed spell is cast, one humanoid will be buried alive. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. At the location he or she occupies, you'll be gripped by an unseen force and dragged underneath the ground. So that they'll, they'll, you I, become a vampire then, and then you can become a vampire. Right. So the, what I like about it, I'll say, so these were great spells. I mean, I've seen a lot of new spells, but boy, the, the flavor. There's no mending. There's, this is this this is not, not your father's not, mending not or push, push spell. It's not a push spell at, at all. So um, uh, I also love you had I think. You may have had the first, I don't know what official means, but published stats for a, an undead dragon. I mean, you've got an undead dragon here. To your knowledge, were you the first to publish stats for that? I think we were. It's, it's possible. It's, it's possible. And because that's when they asked us to come up with uh, really the stats for it, for what they were the... Yeah that they were going to create this dragon, a physical dragon to sell, and they wanted the stats for it, and they asked us to come up with it. Well, they asked Mayfair, I guess, and Mayfair asked us to come up with it. Yeah. Laurie had gone to yeah. Mayfair. Laurie had gone to Mayfair and for a meeting or something, came and she came back with a grenadier death dragon, a grenadier war mammoth, and uh, I think the DC Heroes box set of, of characters and the game. And she said that Grenadier or Mayfair wanted us to make the Death Dragon and War Mammoth for the module. And they must have had some kind of deal. But Mayfair, uh, what's it? Grenadier also had their own um, stats for Death Dragon and War Mammoth, and it came out in the same year. I don't know if the, the deal fell through with Mayfair, if there was a deal, or if they didn't like what they had. They had. I would have loved that on the lunchbox, the Death Dragon. Yes. If I would have went to school with the Death Dragon, maybe spawning down games and do a line of lunchboxes. Lunchbox. Oh, look at that. Oh, there it is. Yeah, this is got the Grenadier monster manuscripts, and it's got at the even the chariot of the undead and the war mammoth and the death dragon in here too. So I don't know. Yeah, we need to. They want John's look. John has a plethora of stuff of look of stuff. Perhaps we need to make a visit to him. Indeed, yes. If to give us our address, uh, your address after the show. Yeah, after the show, you don't have to publish here. We want to make sure we get first dibs on stuff. We, it's a friendly visit. Don't worry about it. When did you, might, did you ever buy any stuff? On when did you, did you ever buy any stuff on eBay in the mid teens of? Uh, I'm sure I did. Huh? I stole. 
I sold oh. thousands of dollars worth of modules and miniatures oh. back then. So you could own some of you. Did you? Bought. Did you? Well, I was a little bit later to the show than that. But so, and it's got, yes, and it has the word mammoth, which is very cool because you have a skeletal, right, mammoth that I assume the undead can ride into battle. It's all very epic, which I like. You know, I yeah. talked to you guys were asking me about what I like. You know, I like Dan Collerton's uh, Rising of the Dark from really, because it's very epic. You know, Dan Collerton said, he was on our show, he said, D&D should be epic. And this strikes me as epic, or it gives you the ability to do things that are epic. Um, so, right. I've got a review. It's it's a little long, but it's a, it's a good one. So, in Dra- Dragon Magazine. Oh. This is interesting now. You're in Dragon Magazine. You're getting reviewed in Dragon Magazine. Did any part of you go, that's right, that's right, we're now getting reviewed. Do you have any TSR, you know, bitterness left in you? I don't, I don't. I think so. I mean, it would have been nice for TSR to have appreciated what we did. She's so, she's so nice. She's nice. She yeah. is nice. All right. <laughs> I, didn't buy a lot of their, I, I didn't buy a lot of their stuff because of it originally, but, but I was always hoping after our head came out that someone would see it and say, hey, you want to write something for TSR? Yeah, yeah, yes, that's right. a really good point. And it obviously never happened, which is a little surprising because obviously the stuff you're putting out is very high quality. It was getting uh, good reviews, and it, it obviously didn't happen. So Well, and that... You know, it's interesting with the dragons because obviously Dragonlance is getting pretty popular at that point in 85, 86. It's all Dragonlance, Dragonlance, Dra- they switched to the, and, and the gaming itself changed because before that, you know, and again, I, I, I'm not a huge, I mean, I love Tracy Hickman's stuff from Pharaoh and that. Dragonlance was the first adventure. I'm like, mm. I mean, I know why people like it, but I'm not a fan. And were you because it's literally you go here and then you go here. It's like you're on a tour and you kind of do stuff. And some people can't die. I'm like, okay, but people loved it. And then there's like 13 of them. So yeah, you would think they'd be like, hey, you guys could write one of the 300 Dragonlance modules that they made or the book, whatever came out. And were you guys? I don't know if they had their own crew of people and they didn't want to expand beyond that. That they were comfortable with these group of writers. That they had found, I, I, I suspected that. Yeah. In mid eighties, things, if I recall correctly, things are getting a little rough at TSR. Well, the second, the second well, he's gone. Gary's gone by eighty five. Yeah, so eighty six. I mean, they were down, right? Or they eighty three. Eighty three was the purge, the first purge. Yeah. And uh, I haven't read the whole book. I'm still reading the excellent book. Whereas the Game Wizards over there, it's over there in the corner. So. It's long. It's nothing. It's great, but it's. I'm not much of a reader, as you know. That's why The Hobbit for me was a long book. So, right. Oh, by the way, since uh, we're on the question of books, yes. uh, favorite Lord of the Ring book of the three or the trilogy. What is each of your so? So, Laura, what is your favorite book of the three? I would think the last one. Okay, that's wrong. Um, John, what's your favorite book of the three? The, the fellowship ended after more. Oh, is that the midpoint? No, it, it, they go. They go. It ends at uh, at uh, they're they're in uh, they're attacked. On yeah. Sirith, they're attacked on the yeah, weather. They Moria. escape Moria, and then yeah, they... Moria. Yeah, the words. Yeah, once they got through. That's the correct yeah, answer. Okay. Which one is that? The fellowship. Moria. 
The fellowship, the first one. Fellowship of the ring. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> I mean, if you like listening from page, yeah, the way I read it was fine. I saw the hobbits, then I skipped a whole bunch of it, and then they were in Moria. That was okay. But I didn't read the songs that much. Oh, you didn't read the songs. Why didn't you read the songs, John? Because they were long. Exactly. Because they were long. This is a litmus test. What is your view on Tom Bombadil? <laughs> I love him. I love him. What's not to like about Tom Bombadil? <laughs> ah, thank you. Ding, ding, ding. That is absolutely... They watched the other shows of you. To correct. Know that you, that's, that's, and I'm okay with that. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> No, I, I wrote a parody of the movies, or started writing one when I was had my website, and so every once in a while I put a, a chapter in, and I, there's one of Tom Bombadil, Tom Cholesterolio, and he was, he was all depressed because no one would ever let him into a movie, and so one day he comes down, he's, he's telling his wife that nuts and berries his wife that... Uh, I can't. I can't be in a movie. I don't. I don't have six pack abs. I don't have a babe on every arm, and I can't eviscerate a person with a beef stick. And so, but then he gets a ring on the doorbell. He goes there, and some guy's got a Manila envelope, and he hands him the envelope, and he thinks, "Oh boy, it's a script. Finally, I'm going to be in a show or a movie." And he opens it up, and it's an eviction notice. Your your version is a hundred times better than what's in the fellowship. James would read that. I would read that a hundred times. Reading about blah 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 blah. He was a ring bearer. He was a ring bearer. He held the ring, and the ring went on his. He was a ring bearer, and it had no effect on him. And he had gold buried. So he, anyone who gets gold buried, come yeah. on. Oh, I'm sorry, I fell asleep again. In the future, he would appear again as the ring bearer, as he, because it's called the scrumptious. It's an, an onion ring. And he, he's starving because he got kicked out, and he, he wants something to eat, and they give him the, the ring, and he eats it, and nothing happens to him. See, there you go. It's be- I like. It. I still like it better. Smuggling down games. The book. The book. Okay. Uh, division. Right. Okay. If they, if they haven't been sued by Wizards of the Coast, they can be sued by Tolkien's uh, estate. Both. Both are both are well known for being very gracious to IP uh, infractions. So there you go. I love it, John. Great job. But yeah, yeah, some of your answers were not as correct. But, okay. So here, Dragon number one twenty six. One twenty six. October nineteen eighty seven. Ken Ralston reviews Undead. This is what he says. He admitted that it was he was quote a bit surprised at how good this supplement turned out. From the title, I envision an encyclopedic treatment of the standard undead types of most fantasy role-playing games, with a couple of standard scenarios in which undead lords hide down in deep dungeons, guarded by scads of dead guys, daring bold adventurers to come in after them. Rolston added the volcanic terrain on the floor of the caldera makes a unique and colorful campaign setting. The dead guys are nicely rendered. The discussion of undead unit... Oh, sorry. Maybe I should skip that part. I'll just change it. I did not like the part about undead unit tactics. That was should not have been added and was a waste of time. Um, I enjoyed... Some, there were some swell original spells, magic items, monsters, 
and grand sorceress rituals that are specifically tailored to the atmosphere and gaming elements of a campaign. The adventure is fairly linear, and there's well, we actually like I like linear because linear. I don't I, I don't think linear is necessarily a bad thing because players will go this way and that way. And I found that when you run a linear adventure like Rising of the Dark from Dan Collerton, I don't think the players dislike it at all. If you're trying to run a game in a session, right, and you're not trying to run a sandbox, you want to run this module. I don't mind linear. Okay, uh, get off your sandbox. Get off my sandbox. Soap okay. Box. Uh, the final set piece really won my admiration. This is a quality AD&D campaign supplement, comparable to some of TSR's better supplements. You must have liked that. <laughs> uh, you don't have to answer that. I still have that. It's framed on his wall. Right. The setting is imaginative and fantastic. The dead guys are grim and menacing. There are plenty of neat new magic and monsters. The adventure... Um, it has some nice bits. The usual two-color printing job looks smart, and the graphic design is first class. Nicholson and Company, no, sorry, John, Company. Nicholson and Company have done a commendable job in advancing the reputation of Maysayer's modules. Here's review number two. It's from Lawrence Schick. Ah, oh, that guy. Pretty good. <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, that was a long one. I wanted to read it, though, because I, I think it is a, it's a fair review. So, obviously, you guys must Which one, the pretty good one? Pretty good one. Well, it was a Pokemon book, so in all fairness. So, he wasn't doing it. It wasn't a full review. So, um, but so obviously, you must have been pretty pleased with that review. I remember that one, yes. Yeah. So, so looking back on on Undead, so, so what are all these years later? You know, did you probably didn't imagine that forty years later or close to forty years later you'd be sitting talking about undead? No, we never we never imagined, particularly because I think it was Rolays, it wasn't one of the TSR um, groupings that it would stay in any kind of popularity or or um, what do they call it? A um, well, it's not going to call it classic. Yeah, right. This is a yeah, classic. classic. Yeah. yeah, I know. We've got more um, attention than we did in the 21st century than we did in the 20th century. And I think probably part of that is because of this so-called OSR movement. You know, when I started about five years ago and I decided, like, wow, wouldn't that be fun to maybe play D&D again? And I'm like, well, I'd like to play first edition, but I wonder if anyone out there is playing first edition. I assumed literally I would be like, I thought I was doing something like, really, like, unusual. Like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play first edition AD&D. And then I hopped on the internet and I discovered GaryCon. And, you know, so I had no idea that I just was simply like so many other people coming back into the game. Have you found that this revival of old school gaming, has that, have people contacted you? You know, what sort of, what sort of attention has Undead gotten now? We, I haven't been contacted except by you, so oh. it's fun to sometimes look look up and see that, you know, if there's even sometimes later reviews, people just reading it now will post something. But um, 
No, we haven't really heard much. John, have you? When our, when our friend Dan died, when our friend Dan died, I inherited a whole bunch of his games and his war games and D and D games, and I started selling them on eBay, and then I started looking up. I, I searched for undead, and I saw once that uh, Roll for Initiative they kind of reviewed undead, so I I, I emailed them and said this fun to listen to and, and all that and then they asked us on to do that one and then they asked us on again for deadly power so that's about all the contact i've had other than i've i sold the miniature to elise skygax and i sold parts of games or miniatures to uh alan Grohe. But that's, that's about all the yeah, time. Yeah, 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 we got it on the show. And so you're going to do the, you did Monsters of Myth and Legend 2, right? So 1989, so a bit later, uh, a supplement with 75 monsters and deities. Uh, and so that was, that was the last one um, that was done. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, that was the first one computer, right? That I did the computer, right? Anything that I wrote, I used to always give scraps of paper to Laurie, and she'd have to decipher them and figure out all my lines and everything. But I had a computer for that one. And they, again, I guess, I don't have contact with them. I guess they asked Laurie to, to do this one, and so we set about doing it. It was really hard to, for me, at least, because I did the Inuit and the South American. And there was no internet back then, so trying to find out anything about monsters that may not have been done. Some of them I think we had had been done, but it was really difficult. I think difficult. we probably heard the least feedback about that one. Well, I think it's the hardest one to find. Out. And we're tired. So when you guys still playing, because this is the late eight, this is the late eighties, and at this point, yeah, my sense, you know, D and D is sort of not the thing anymore, right? You talked about this, sort of the video games were kind of taking over. D and D wasn't. I mean, not that D and D was cool, right? <laughs> but it wasn't even cool for the nerds and the geeks anymore so much. And that's when I got out of it. It was the late eighties. I think you did too. Yeah. Yeah, well, because we got jobs and and families and everything else, and things just it was it was hard to balance that, and it just felt like that was something you did in, for a few years, and now you moved on, and you know you were able to go to bars and do stuff like that. So it, uh, you know, that that kind of took precedent. For so, so were you guys still playing? I mean, how did you guys continue to play throughout the eighties? We played a long time, but I don't know how long. Do you remember when? When, I, I can't remember. We were playing in the late 80s. I, I can't remember. We were playing in the late 80s, maybe the early 90s, but the Nicholsons had moved to another house, and they were like 40 miles away from us now, so it was a lot harder to get together to play. You couldn't go from 7 till 4 in the morning, because then you had to drive home. It wasn't like driving a couple of miles. It wasn't like driving a couple of miles. And it gets a little harder to stay up at 3 a.m., I found, as you get a little older, right? It's, it's a little tougher. You can't just go to work, you know, uh, the next day. Uh, Laura, had you introduced your kids at, that, at, at some point to Dean? Did they, have, did they and have they become gamers? They never became gamers. They would, um, 
sometimes play with us a little bit or come in and play with the characters and do things like that. But that was something they were, they never got into it. Maybe they were too young at the time when we started. They were probably three or four. So by the time the 80s were there, they were kind of into other other things. Well, they were probably a little traumatized because they were left, they were abandoned for all this gaming. They were up till three or four in the morning. They were trying to wake their parents up and they're exhausted. Where's, yeah. So I'm sure that was part of it. Mommy, are you on drive? No. I'm a D&D player. I want some breakfast. I just got to bed two hours ago with the kid. Mommy, what's this? We're dead. You get them up, get them off to school, get to work. I don't know how we did all yeah. that. I mean, you know, it's almost like uh, the people who play those uh, those RP, the multiplayer like EverQuest and World of Warcraft. You heard the kids don't they don't get fed because they played sixty hours in a row or something like that. So not to say that happened, Laurel. I'm not saying that happened at all. It's not. I'm sure your kids are well adjusted, but perhaps they don't see with the same fondness D and D has that you that you have. So it's it's okay, you know. I think when they they got older, they started doing more computer games. Yeah. So so, what do they think of the fact that you think about it at all? Because I can I'm I'm a daughter. I know that your kids don't think about their parents much at all usually. And, and do you know if they have any thoughts on the fact that their mother wrote undead? <laughs> Not there's anything wrong with writing no, no. that at all. Well, my son thinks it's great. Well, my son <laughs> thinks it's Yeah, I think it's pretty cool, but, you know, it's not something they really think much about. Sure, sure. So when, so how, so the collaboration end, was it, did it just, did it just end because Mayfair didn't want any more products, or you guys just kind of moved away from this? How did it come to an end? I'm thinking Mayfair probably was slowing down back then and they weren't going to do anything else because I would have kept writing forever. But it would have been harder, though, with, would have been harder though, without the internet so away. Her being so far away. Yeah, but we could have done that. Yeah, yeah we could have managed it. Yeah, we could have managed it, I guess. There was nothing Plus, left to do, I guess. To Plus, my, my son was starting to get older, older and and it's a little harder to have time to write the things. And what that, what, in late 80s, what, when did Second Edition come out? 89. 89. 89 90. So did, did you guys ever switch editions? Or were, you, were you always were you playing first edition AD&D the whole time? Probably. When second came out, we tried to take a few things from second edition, but mainly we played first edition, but we didn't play a lot of I have a new character sheet here that that was started in 92, so we were still playing back then. Okay. Wait, you still have your character sheet from 92? Wait, show it to us. Where is it? Is it there? It's Goldenrod! Hey! We have Goldenrod sheet. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Well done. Has, has that character ever done anything? I have all my characters. What? Has that character ever played? Oh, yeah. Oh. But um, not very often. This was my, let's see. This was my one of my more, this is my original one. Look at that. So that, that was what, artwork too. what year? Did you date it? What year is that character created? 82. 
19, you have your 1982 Goldenrod character. Yeah, that. That's, That's fun. <laughs> wow. See? What? Will you... Oh. The only one I'm missing is the one she got. The only one I'm missing Ooh. is the one she but got. But I'm not bitter. There's, There's no bitterness from John. Okay, <laughs> we're going to go back to that because I was in a good interview. We missed, we really should have talked about that. Wait, wait. Okay, let's talk about this incident with the fireball. So, what should we start with? Because there seems to be different. The accused or the. Uh, yeah, who's on trial? Right. This is John I'm, versus Will. The innocent. The innocent one. John, huh? I was the innocent one. Oh, I was just trying to defend our party. Please only answer questions when asked. Uh, objection, Your Honor. The witness is speaking without a question. I'd like to start with the plaintiff. John is. A, so, what happened, John? I forget exactly, but we were in the hallway. I forget exactly, but we were in the hallway. Hostile witness. In the hallway? That sounds. That's right. Look. So, so I have a question for Laurel. Laurel, at the time you all handled this. I just heard that we were fighting doubles of ourselves. I was fighting a double of myself. Uh, Laurel, at the time that you decided to cast a fireball in the hallway, how long have you been playing d and <laughs> I think that's an unfair question. Uh, Your Honor, somebody answer the question. Just answer the question. <laughs> So you cast a fireball in a hallway. Was John in front? Well, I was fighting my the a mere image of myself too. So somebody was also fighting me. So and then I was trying to defend the party. And unfortunately, one small gnome, I believe, was injured. Was he in front of you? Fatally <laughs> injured, but. Grievous body. She didn't see him. She didn't see him. <laughs> Who's the and then, the and then John, though, wrote an ode to Lincoln. So that's what I was saying when you noticed his guitar. He could have he could have had a song for you already. Oh. So the so the known illusionist thief that's killed. The character she. No, that was the illusionist oh. thief was a, a different gnome. He probably got killed too. All my characters got killed. They're in her bag of holding. Deco holding. No, they aren't. That's a great adventure. There's a gnome collector just stuffs them in a bag of holding. So you buy a bag of holding at like a garage sale. Yeah. And you empty it out. Oh, no. Decomposing gnomes just pop out of that. That is bag smells. <laughs> you can't get that gnome funk out of the bag. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. There's no so, way. That, okay, so who is the DM? That, that is the DM, her husband. That, that is the DM, her husband. Her husband. Amen. And he's yeah. warning her. Where do you cast this? Sure sure Sounds like you're saying. Are you sure you want to cast yeah. it there? I'd like to call Don as my next witness. Don is, is he... <laughs> See you there? <laughs> I'll subpoena him. That's, That's right. right. He come voluntarily. I mean, these, these, these charges are very uh, for substantial. It's, it's, we're trying to determine. Well, clearly, uh, she's admitted to casting the firewall, which resulted in the death of the gnome. And at a minimum, it's manslaughter. Right. Because that's reckless. Right. We don't, we're just deciding it was premeditated. Or, it might not be murder. Right. right. But that's clearly manslaughter. It's homicide. It's manslaughter. <laughs> writing a book about it never got through finishes but if we could finish the book 
then it could be a kind of interesting. Yeah. We were playing the negative ten rule at that, we time. At that time, and he was only at negative six. But they oh, wait! A new information. What? What? We're like the January sixth committee. Oh, wow! This is so. He was grievously injured, and then they refused to. Is that true? Is that true, Laurel? He was at. He was not dead yet. He didn't buy his wounds. Oh, he doesn't recall that. My recollection. I don't recall. Laurel has a lot of I don't recall answers. Interesting. And besides, I, I take the fifth. Wow. Only, nah. only guilty people take only the fifth. Right. <laughs> he stole the character seed because the character seed showed on it. Oh, I she took it. it was, I think it was a perfect fireball. All right. Here's a very important question from our listeners. There have been other questions, but this one's critical. Now it's, now it's hopping. Did... Laurel get XP for killing the gnome because that will determine. Because if he got XP and they looted the body, and they, did they loot the body? Those are the two things because that will determine motive. It certainly yes. Because they don't have a motive yet. Anyway, I don't know if they got XP, but I don't know if they got XP. Right. So we took the body back and and sent him back to his family. My bad. In the bag of holding after being crispy. Well, at least. Here, here he is. Well, well we, we definitely, definitely need to do, do an ode. To, oh, what was the character's name? Lankin. 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 Abe Lankin. Like that song. Abe Lankin. Okay. Well, we have to do an ode now to Lankin. Well, that's great that you guys kept your character sheets. What? So most of us, we just lost that stuff. What? What prompted you guys to hold on? Are you pack rats, or what? Did you? You want a hoarding problem? <laughs> I don't know. Um, my husband has all this stuff, and he just handed these to me. So beautiful. They they look. What, we would. We have plenty of space here. So if you got too, you don't have enough space in your house. We happen to take random stuff. If you if if you send us PDFs of those, we will incorporate them somehow right. into. Yeah. We will use them. They'll probably die horrible death, but right. we will use them somehow. Because we bought off of eBay character sheets. I bought some goldenrod ones, and we've used the character sheets in there just to run through Greyhawk and be going on an adventure. So we love to we love to see old character sheets from back in the day. So 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 roughly early nineties, you start moving away from that. So did you keep writing, Laurel? What kind of work did you do after that? And, and John, what was the things you were involved with after that? Well, I have some books that it's like a trilogy. Oh. And um, it's about, but it's more about, it's not about Dungeons and Dragons. It's about witches. We like witches. And it's um. <clears throat> if the idea is about magic, if you could see it's spelled with a K. So magic, when you spell it normally with a C, is more make-believe or sleight of hand. But magic with a K is the ability to change reality through spells and willpower. And there's some um, ways that of witchcraft in here, casting a circle, that are true. Than in here that will, but it's it's just a fun adventure story. Wonderful, and and, and you did a trilogy of them. And how long? When when were those written? What time period is that? 
Actually, I dreamt the story. And so it took a couple years to write all of them. But it's, a, it's basically a story about kids that find out their neighbor is a witch. And she tries to teach them, but she gets kidnapped and they have to go rescue her. Oh. And it was originally written for kids, you know, but what I found in sales has really gone to more people in their 30s or 40s that have been reading it. I, I think, think my, my, my neighbor's kids think my wife's a witch, but that's a different story. Did I say that? <laughs> I think so, too. So, wait, wait. So... What are you? Wait, well, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? A witch? And I don't want to insult her. I feel like I just insult her. I don't think she is too. Because I think it's okay. Okay. She doesn't watch this. You're fine. Okay. So no, that's right. So so Laura, had you had you read fantasy? Uh, so are you are you a fan of the genre? Yes, I love um, everything, and I studied a lot of different religions too, including witchcraft and. Buddhism and all kinds of different things. But of course, the idea of spells fits right into Dungeons and Dragons. So that was always interesting to me, too. Do you like the Harry Potter books? I do like Harry Potter. Yeah, I like Harry Potter, too. I like it quite well. It's not as bad as Tom Bombadil. It's okay. okay. It's good. So, uh, and, and it is available now. Laurel, that people can buy them. If you do, send me the links and we'll put them in the show notes. It's available through um, on Amazon, but you can go on my website, which is lanicholson.com, and you can get it through Amazon. It has a whole discussion of what the books are about. And you can get like 38 cents from it if Amazon sells it for you, right? So something like Just that. about. Okay. <laughs> so, well, if you, after we're done, if you can send me an email with your links, we'll put them in the show notes here. We'd be happy to do that. That would be, because people always ask for links, is just put them in. And, and so, John, um, you know, after you stopped playing games, obviously you had a son. Uh, what, was, what was your post-D&D career look like? As far as writing, it would be, as far as writing, it would be, when I had the website for selling miniatures, I started writing that parody of... Especially the first one. That sounds great. Didn't finish that. I don't have the slave driver pushing me to do anything. I wrote a short module for a contest that rolled for initiative. That's the only thing I've completed. And then there's another... Module I have written, but it needs one final encounter, and I haven't. It sounds to me we have prolific writers. They're just looking for a place to work, so we just need to figure out how to get a product from them that's not tied to Mayfair or TSR, so we don't get sued, and put in our new. We need some modules. We need some adventures for the Grog Empire. Well, we have. well, they said they have an adventure. Right. It's like we're talking like they're not here. Right. They have don't pay no attention. We're just talking to ourselves right now. But they have a second, uh, they have an adventure written, if I recall, right. for Undead, right. which is ready to go. Right. And, uh, right. and then they'll write the, they're going to do the Duchy of Death. Right. The they'll write. They, they, they tacitly approve that. They said yes. It's a campaign, right. sub campaign setting and a series right. of six modules, right? That's right. 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 So, we're so, so what we'll do is we'll send. Um, We'll send, we will send you a copy of the Grog Empire map and uh, this on PDF so you can look it over 
And if you are inclined, we'll talk to uh, Tim Cask, our Tim Cask, a.k.a. Rob Ritchie, who's, who's the publisher. And we'd be happy to look at publishing an adventure. That would be great for us. And it, and I would love to do that. What do you think, Jack? Sure. Do you guys do movies? We've done movies, short films. They have been uh, widely regarded by the dozen or so people who reviewed our short films as, as successful. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Are you talking about when we put on costumes and cosplay, basically? Yes. Okay. We have the movie rights to Undead. We have the movie rights to Undead. What? And Laurel, when we were signing the contract, she crossed out certain things on it and we initialed it saying we retain the rights to movies and books based on Undead. So. If anybody has a contract, we actually well, own and we know, so, we so how does that work, Dan? There was a contract that was signed 40-something years ago yes. where they claim that they struck out yes. some of the language yeah. that's in there. Sure. Um, would you think Wizards of the Coast, in their uh, non-caring of their, their IP, would they go after them with this? Would this be enough? Or what, 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 how, how strong a case in do you my, In my opinion... If Wizards of the Coast was inclined to actually file a lawsuit over somebody making a movie based upon Roy's Undead, that they basically burned cash. They might as well shut down their company now because those people are burning money. It's a huge, it's a waste. If I was their lawyer, I'd be like, who cares? I mean, you know, you don't want dilution and all that business. But if they claim they crossed it out, you just say, yeah, okay, we're not going to challenge that. I so you, that, John. huh? I remember crossing it out. Yeah, so, you know. I think that's why they didn't put my name on it. I think that's why they didn't put my name on it. I think that's why they didn't put my name on it. They both seem believable. I mean, she didn't tell the truth about, she claimed she wasn't bitter in TSR, but that, right. oh, that's because of contamination. Isn't it true you're bitter because they never. And that she's murdered gnomes and, and then looted the body. Or and then you, you, you lie about, yeah, I didn't mean to kill the gnome. Well, in all seriousness, if that is something you're remotely interested in, we do an annual, uh, we do an annual module for GrogCon that we we subsidize again it's not we are we are we do this out of the kindness of our hearts so but if that's something you would want to build for us we, we could do that for next year we would love to have you write one of our adventures for that and in all seriousness if you're not interested that's fine that's too. fine too so, <laughs> no pressure we're not we're not trying to do a hard sell on you um no we yeah, don't have a module for uh monsters of myth and legend that's like 64 pages Typewritten pages that they didn't put in Monsters of Myth. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll, we can we can talk about that offline. Um, yeah, we already have our adventure. So Carlos Lysing, a good friend of ours who, who does Castle Entertainment, he's written the adventure for this year. And hell, we would we would sponsor two adventures next year. I don't care. Sure. And you know. This crossing out business, so we know, I don't know if you know Bill Fawcett. We, we know Bill Fawcett, and I've had him on the show, who was with Mayfair. And so, you know, maybe Bill could be a witness. And right. that's right, because, you know, what does he care? Well, so, so uh, I'd love to do a movie of Undead. We, well, yes. it sounds to me we have to oh. run Undead. Oh, wait, the movie, oh, wait, we get to pick a lich lord. Yeah. Oh, well, we already did yours. No, I'm not the short, fat, redhead guy. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm not redhead. This screams you. Oh, everyone wants to be night bay. Not no, everyone can be no, night I, bay. You have to roll randomly for it. Okay. 
Anyway, I'm Gary. We'll, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get back. You guys have been very gracious with your time. We're already at 90 minutes. So um, you usually I don't I forgot to mention this yesterday. Uh, we normally ask our guests to roll a d10 to see how well. The show went. One being, you should never come on again. I'm sorry, waste your time. Ten, it was amazing. So, do you have a a D10 available? And if not, we there's another way to to, to do this. I'll have to have someone bring one. Wait, was that the DM? Wait, right, that, DM. wait, hold on. The DM I, saw, I saw the DM. No, I saw I saw her. The DM is there. I think I saw. Yeah, we went to see if we had one in the drawer. Oh, John. He doesn't wanna. He doesn't wanna like chime in on. The witness. That's right. He's there. You'll, You'll see this disembodied hand. You, <laughs> can, you can also use a book. Oh, you got a D10. What, what was it, John? I'm sorry. It's a four. Four. Okay, you got, we got to average it. A little, little, little bit of clapping. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, hold on. So it's an eight. <laughs> oh, it's eight. Oh, because four plus four. Yeah. Okay. Oh, All right. We'll wait for Laurel's roll. You know what I say about that? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, like <laughs> orange chick. I don't know. Should have told me to do it. I don't know if I can find one. Well, that's fine. We're sorry. We didn't no, no, it's only one roll. So the, 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 the die has been cast. The die has been cast. So your board was like, what? what? I, I probably was pulling boxes down. And, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh. There it is. Oh, you have to roll. Did Laurel mean to kill the gnome? No, we found no, characters, we found characters but, not the, but not the die. Oh, it's okay. okay. Well, uh, you know, uh, oh, oh what's that? those, those are miniatures. Oh. Again, don't give out your addresses. Some of our uh, folks, they would not harm you, but they would certainly harass you to sell their sell stuff. We've got some pretty... And we also have a book reunification uh, channel where we're trying to reunify people whose books they inadvertently sold and now they want them back. So we're trying to get that back. But... Uh, again, uh, please send me your information so I can put it on the website. It was a real pleasure to meet both of you. Thank you for your time today. Um, we'll look, and again, if that's something you're interested in collaborating with us, we would love to have, uh, we'd love, because again, we love all this kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to pick up, and, and if there's a, uh, can this be purchased except only in eBay form? Is there a, a PDF version that people can buy, or that's not in the cards? I don't, I don't. <clears throat> I don't have Not one. Of those. You can get it on eBay and Amazon. And I I don't know if Scribe charges now. He used to be able to go to Scribe and and. Uh, it. I was trying to get you some cash there, John. I was, you know, I'm always I'm always about plugging plugging. No, we wouldn't get any cash. From okay, well then, yeah, forget <laughs> it then. Well, we, I think we should run that and um, uh, you know put that somewhere into the milieu. Obviously, it's not part of the world of. Uh, uh, Grog talk, talk, but we, we can figure, figure out something. At least we're in a couple of sessions because I know it's more of a. Thing. I'm sorry, John. How do I get a title? Oh, oh, wow. Would you like a title? Okay. Funny you should mention that. We can give you a title. Yeah, because they're not going to be a guest. You're not going to be a patron. That's right. Usually, you're not going to be a patron, but you guys are your guests. You're ADD royalty. That's right. Absolutely. So let's do it. All right. That's right. We're going to give we're going to give out titles as we speak to both of you. So what we do is, for people who are new to the show don't know, and um, uh, Laura, you may not know this. So our patrons get titles, and titles come from the Best of Dragon magazine. It was originally published in November 1978. It's Brian Bloom. Yep. No clapping. Okay, Brian Bloom. Not, not a lot of Brian Bloom fans out there. It's what do you call a 25th level wizard? And it was for naming. You're a wizard, and you could roll. You would randomly roll, and you would get a title. 
And so John has asked for a title, right. and we're more than happy to help out. So, oh, wait, well, John has dice. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, right? he has a D30. Okay, we'll start with, so uh, you're going to have to, this is going to be complicated. Give us a, roll a D10 and D6 and tell us what you got on the 10 and what you got on the 6. Forty-four. We got a four on the six and four. Four on the six and four on the ten. So that is uh, twenty-two. Is eleven. Carry the one. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's the captain general. He's, he's the captain general. Okay. Okay. So he's again right. Well, he's gonna, yeah. Well, yeah. Do this now. This time, roll a d six and d ten. Tell, tell us what you got. A D10 and a D6 again? Please. Uh, eight and a one. Eight and a one. Okay, so the eighth one. Munificent. Munificent. Ooh, I like the that. The captain general the, is... His munificent. His most munificent. His most munificent. Okay, again, right? D10, D7. Yep, same thing. Roll again. Seven and a two. Seven again, the number seven. Greatness. Greatness. Wow, your title is amazing. Okay. Okay, the same thing, D10 and D6. Ten and six. Okay, so that's the last one. Prince. Prince. Greatness, Prince. All right, now D10 and D6. Yeah. Two on the ten and one on the six. Two on the ten and one on the six was number two. Distinguished. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now we're uh, six and ten. Yeah, yeah six, six and ten. ten. Yeah. It's the last one. Almost there. Nine. Three. Nine, nine, and three. So that's nineteen. It's nineteen. Nineteen. So how many are there? There's, there's thirty. Enslaver. Oh, okay. Okay. So his his munificent enslaver. His most munificent enslaver. And so, what town are you claiming? Where where you where do you live? Uh, I'll claim Ashley. Where is that? That's in Verdice. In <laughs> Abed. Oh, wow. Oh, wonderful. Okay. okay. Greatness, Prince. We were expecting, like, Illinois. <laughs> it could be Illinois, too. <laughs> Some areas of New York. What was the, it was the, uh, what was this one? Oh, this was. Uh, I remember this one was Slaver. Yeah. Oh. I was trying to catch up with you. Sorry. No, it's a Prince Insler. What was the... I don't know. Was he distinguished? No. No, it was... Which one was it? Invincible? It's Captain something... Yeah, I have that. General, his most munificent... Greatness. Magnificent something greatness, Prince. Yeah, okay, yeah, Prince. Okay, cool. Oh, you got Prince. You don't have this one. The... Yeah, okay. We got it. Do you want to roll again? No, no, no. not rolling again. Okay. Enslaver of, and what's the name of the, how do you spell it? Uh, A S H 
L-A-E-D-E-N. Okay. All right, well, we're going to give that out, but Laurel, you, you ready for your title? If you want one. Okay, John, you'll have to roll for me. So, are you on a to roll? We have a D30. We, we can roll. We can roll. We can roll. We have a D30. What's a D30? Is, it, is that from uh, the 80s? No. no. Oh, he's calling me out. I gotcha. I'm ashamed. Gotcha. He did catch me. He's good. No, he's not. Well done, sir. But it's so useful. Okay. So, we're starting out dividing by two. All right. Seven T, so what is that? Eight and a half, nine. Captain. Another captain? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, they're both captain generals. Well, that kind of no, sense. just no sheet. No, so she's, she's just, just captain. captain. He's the captain general. I got you. She's just the captain. Very okay. nice. All right. Now it's you already right. got recommendation. You should be the gnome emulator, but that's okay. Thirty. <laughs> Ta- yeah. Chivalrous. Chivalrous. Okay. Twenty-seven. Thirty. Twenty-nine. 30. Warship. <laughs> Warship or worship? Worship. Yeah, oh, oh, not worship. Worship. Yeah. Worship. 10, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10. Baroness. Baroness. Oh, I gotta do D60. Oh, 30, 29, 28, triumphant. Triumphant. Her, the triumphant. And. Oh, that was a cot. 24, 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, 24. It's another scourge. Ooh, a scourge. The scourge of... Oh, what, what town are you claiming, Laurel, for the Grog Empire? I'll say Estes. E-S-T-E-S. E-S-T-E-S. Estes, okay. E-S-T-E-S. You better read. You better read it all. It's too far for me to say. Okay. So, by the power invested in us, by us, the Grog Empires, we now bestow the following titles to... Both of you, we now claim forevermore you shall be known throughout the Grog Empire as, I'll start with Laurel first, Laurel, the captain, chivalrous, worship baroness, the triumphant scourge of Estes. And John, you shall now be forever known as the captain general, his most munificent, greatest prince and slaver of Ashelin, Ashelin. Congratulations, both of you. Well done. You may your lo- reign be long and uh, proud. And deadly. And deadly. And enslaving, apparently. So you immediately want to start thinking about what your short names will be. Because I'm definitely seeing the possibility for Laurel, the Triumphant Scourger. The Triumphant Scourge sounds nice, don't you think? And the Prince Enslaver is not bad. It definitely rolls off the tongue. What is the Municipant Enslaver? So it's up to you. We're not here to give you a nickname. Correct. And we will work on our... Heraldry, which will once we'll, we'll, we have a heraldry page and we will put your heraldries up there so you can have that as well. And don't you think they should have, maybe should they jointly have the Duchy of Death? They, if they do the Duchy of Death, then they get to jointly own it. Yeah, that's right. Don't you, would you like to jointly own? Would you like to jointly control? Well, you're like the Littler Council. Would right. you like to control the Duchy of Death, which is untaken? Of course. Sure. Of course, it's all done. It's this, done. This is why this is why we do this. Our stuff. plan worked. Our plan, our, plan, our plan of giving titles out and, and areas in our empire have worked in again. Well, very good. Thank you for being good sports, and and I will uh, reply with your official title. It's, it's out in the chat, so people are seeing it. And uh, once we publish your your little uh, crest, because we we made crests for all our folks. That's what you, and it's hard to tell here, but you can kind of see it there. 
We have a little crest, so you'll have a crest. And should it be like a skull on it or something? Well, it'll be some version of a skull. I may just... I don't know. Oh, boy. Should I just steal? Don't say that on the air. I, I'm not stealing. What I you shouldn't do is steal anything from right. this. Yeah, if you have a picture that you would like on your shield, I would be happy to put that on there for you, since you are the Duchy of Death. That would be amazing. So, well, with that, thanks again so much, Laurel and John. You've been great sports. We really appreciate your time, and, and we've gone a little bit over. But thank you for today, and we'll hope you keep in touch. And if you again, if you'd like to collaborate on something with us, please send us a note. We would be, would be happy to do that. Um, we typically start early next year on the uh, coming up with an adventure, and we'll we can talk more about that. Okay, that sounds okay. great, and thank you so much for contacting us. Excellent, excellent. So, yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll, we'll actually for Broad Talk. I'm James, and I'm Dan, and you're Laurel, and you're John. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye. And we'll see you next time on Broad Talk. Take care. This is Big Abushi Puppy Production. All rights reserved.